we do have some news out of the NFL. Antonio Brown. Yeah, we got that. Patriots. Yeah, which, listen, know, listen the only thing that took so long. First of all, like I said this morning, Mrs. Kraft were alive. He would have been gone the first day. Uh, she would have got rid of him. She got rid of guys for less. Uh, she never allowed those kind of players on the team. Uh, the Pats had to decide that it drags up too many other skeletons they have in their closet, and it wasn't worth it. It just wasn't worth it. I don't think anybody else will touch him now. I don't think anybody else can. I think now after the Pats dismiss him, nobody else can touch him. I, I, think, he, I, I, think, I think he's dead. And, it, and it's, it's funny because, you know, all these, all these talk for 10 days, the Patriots, they're going to make it. They don't care. They don't care. Look, if they cut him, not that none of the means that they have anything new on him, it means that if they're staying away from them, it's as toxic as it is, and that's that. I agree Not just you. that. It keeps getting them bad publicity, and it drags up all the other incidents. So when they have a guy dealing with a jug charge, when they have an owner who last year spent months trying to fight a video of him getting sex in a sex shop down in Palm Beach, I mean, they don't want that stuff brought back up day after day and that's what this does it brings up all the sordid details and it even goes back and brings up stuff about Aaron Hernandez so they're like wait a second we don't need this we don't need this trouble day after day with this guy he's not worth it and that's what I think every other team is going to think too yeah and they're 2-0 and and they look unbelievable and today at the press conference they're asking Belichick only questions about Antonio Brown and another woman and another story and Belichick abruptly left the press conference and walked out of the room. And it's like, that should not be the press conference when you're 2-0 and and your defense might be better than it ever has been before. Yeah, which he doesn't need. So, again, I, like I said, they made a mistake. They've made mistakes before. They can withstand them. But the problem is what happens with guys like this is they become more troubled than they're worth, no matter what they're worth. They, you can't get out in front of all the questions, all the – other players saying, I don't want, you know, Tom Brady going inside and saying, I don't want to answer 10 questions about Antonio Brown. Exactly. And, and, you know, I work on the morning show in the NFL, and we're talking about the Patriots today, and we don't focus on Antonio Brown. And 99% of the people tweeting at the show or responding to the show is, why aren't you guys addressing the elephant in the room? We don't want to talk about it. No, it's boring. Uh, it's boring. And the Pats are the same way. And then the other players say, wait a second. We don't want to deal with this nonsense. And then finally they put their foot down. And again, that's what, you know, listen, they thought they made a steal. And maybe they could have, but they didn't know this stuff was going to continue for this guy. And I heard there was even other stuff that went on when he was with the Raiders when he's trying to get out of there. Stuff like him throwing furniture out of the windows of, of hotel rooms and all kinds of crazy stuff. I mean, so, I mean, there, there, there's a hundred stories about this guy, unfortunately. Yeah, that's that. That's tough football. That's I'd love to do. It's, it's amazing how quickly the page turns. Goodbye, Antonio. Let's talk yeah, football. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And uh, with them, there's nothing to talk about this week because they will probably, you know, blank the Jets or, you know, hold them to three points or whatever. But uh, the interesting – I'll give you the first interesting one, and that's New Orleans. That is a top team. The question is this. Can, and people have thought that Teddy Bridgewater was maybe the best backup quarterback in the league. The question now is, can he walk in there? And I'm not asking him to go undefeated. What I'm saying is, can he go in there and go 500 or better until Breeze comes back? Let's say Breeze is eight weeks. Can he go in there with a good team and go 500 for the next, say, eight weeks? You know what? Nick Foles goes down in a sixth-round rookie. Gardner Minshew comes in and gets a win. Like, you know, we've saw this time and time again over the course of our time covering the NFL. And you can win games with quarterback if they don't kill you if you got a good team around you. 
And yes, if you're the highest paid quarterback as a backup in the entire NFL, it shouldn't be asking that much with all the talent they have around him to win those games. And you and I, Mike, we both know this. Sean Payton has a game plan ready that is going to maximize what they have on that field. And you better believe you're seeing number seven in about a million looks. And number seven isn't Teddy Bridgewater. It's Taysom Hill. Well, Hill's going to play a lot. Yeah, he's going to play a lot. No question. He'll be under center for at least a few snaps. He's going to be out wide, and they're going to utilize that Swiss Army knife. I did a production meeting last year with Sean Payton before the playoff game against the Eagles, and he openly compared Taysom Hill to a young Steve Young when they first saw Steve Young on the field. So this guy has all those qualities. He could throw, he can run, he could be that. You don't compare someone to Steve Young if you keep him on the bench. This is when you press the emergency button. If Teddy's not getting it done, they have another guy they really like there. I think between Hill and Bridgewater, they can beat the Seahawks in Seattle. Yeah, I, well, that would be a very, very good win. And then you have the Ravens. And a lot of people, I think they're off base uh, picking the Ravens to beat the Chiefs. Now, I think the Ravens will move the ball. And I'm sure they will, but I still think Kansas City. And I thought that game was very uneven last week, and they're not the same team without Hill. Uh, he, he, he's that important. But uh, I still think they'll come out on top in that game against the Ravens. I took the Chiefs, but you're right. It won't be a blowout, and it certainly isn't going to be the Mahomes 500-yard passing game. This Ravens team is good. I did the sidelines last week for Cardinals-Ravens. They put the clamps on you. Kyler put up a lot of yards. But when they get in the red zone, you don't score on the Ravens. They just tighten up the field and they, they put the clamps on. Their defensive coordinator is really good, Rick Martindale. They'll have a game plan ready. But to go into Arrowhead when that fan base is out of their mind right now, excited for this team, and Mahomes is still clicking, ah, it's very tough to go into that building in a regular season game and come out with a victory, especially when you've got a quarterback who's still only playing, what, his 10th NFL start? I think it's too tall a task to beat the Chiefs in KC. But the more experience Lamar Jackson gets, the more I like him. And I'm telling you, talking with the Ravens people, Mike, it's more than just a gimmick. It's more than just a running team. They think for the next five, ten years, this could be the guy. Well, I got to see him. I got to see him more when he's throwing the ball. Um, and obviously, the first two opponents, you know, they, they, they're not very good. I, I have to see them. And I, that game this week is a game I'll pay attention to. Not that Kansas City's defense is great, but I, but that's going to be a, a game where he's going to have to throw the ball some. Uh, so I'll, I'll be looking to see if he's made strides in that regard. Maybe he has. We'll see. Uh, you know, uh, the league's in a weird place right now because you have some teams obviously playing on a very low level, and you have some teams playing very well, like the Pats, uh, Cowboys playing really well. Um, and so, and then you get these crazy lines, which I've never seen two in one week, uh, in the same week in a regular season. You know, that wasn't strike shortened. You know, that strike year they had to come with some of those crazy lines. But, uh, you know, it just shows you there's a disparity right now. There's a lot of teams that seasons have already fallen apart. Um let me get your thoughts on the. Give me a thought on the Giants and and the Giant change since you, I haven't heard your take on that. So, what's your take on the Giants? All right. So, we, I guess uh, I'll have to repeat that because I guess Rago wasn't there. We'll take a quick break. Come right back. Greenwich Hospital is at the forefront of today's most advanced surgery. As part of Yale New Haven Health, our patients have access to the most advanced minimally invasive procedures, including robotic-assisted surgery. Our nationally recognized surgical teams use innovative approaches, so recovery times are reduced and outcomes are improved. Even as our medical capabilities advance, we stay committed to our roots and to getting you back to the life you love. 
Learn more at GreenwichHospital.org. Find your boating fun at the Progressive Insurance Norwalk Boat Show. Come for the boats. Hundreds of new models in water and on land. Come for the gear. Shop engines, electronics, and accessories. Come for the fun of it all. Try paddle sports or take a boat ride. Plus on water classes and more. It's fall's premier in-water boat show. Now through Sunday at Norwalk Cove Marina. BoatshowNorwalk.com. Come on down to the boat show. All right, the uh, Cardinals lead the Cubs early in that game today, 2-1, if you're playing scoreboard, which means you all still believe in the Mets are going to run the table because that's what they would have to do, Um, and get some help, as a matter of fact. All right, Schrager's is back. I'm asking about the Giants. What's your thoughts? Yeah, I think it was necessary because the Giants had absolutely zero buzz in this city, and I know that's not the Giants' way to worry about buzz, but going into this week, I can tell you that not a single person was excited to watch Elon Manning and the Giants travel to Tampa Bay in a 4 o'clock game. And I can also tell you that right now it's a 4 o'clock game in the window that everyone's talking about. So it was going to happen eventually. Eli wasn't blindsided by this. You don't draft the kid six overall if you think he would suddenly be blindsided by it. And all that talk about the Kansas City model and we don't want to see him for two years, that's Let's talk from a different era. I mean, Eli was not Alex Smith, and this kid's not Patrick Mahomes. So it was time. It's a, it was a bad football team in the first two weeks. Now you rip the Band-Aid off, and you almost get a restart on the, on the season. And there's a lot of excitement. I know Shermer's not coming on to talk about it, but I do know that inside that building, they've been very high on Daniel Jones since he got there, and he's exceeded expectations. Yeah, but it won't fix the fact. And what they did is they made it not about the record anymore. Now it's about a development a year. The record they can pass off, which is going to be terrible, they can pass off on the fact that, hey, we're developing a quarterback. Uh, They couldn't do that with a 38-year-old quarterback. Now, uh, because they're not winning any games until they learn to stop somebody, and they haven't even come close to stopping anybody. So uh, their defense is so bad. The offense it was not inept the first two weeks. The offense just didn't click. In the, they had two drop touchdown passes by wide receivers, too. But uh, the, dro- the offense averaged 420 yards offense, which is plenty. I mean, they just didn't score in the red zone and, and, and made mistakes on the goal line. Otherwise, the offense wasn't the problem. The defense is the problem right now. The, yeah, offense, it, it, the offense has got some players. The defense and was moving the ball. They had, I mean, Eli had almost you know 600 yards of passing offense in two weeks. And he had and Barkley had 100 yards both games. The problem was they couldn't score. They didn't score. They dropped touchdown passes. Eli threw a, had a ball tipped, which was a bad one, when they had a, a touchdown going in. So they basically gave away a lot of points down on the goal line, and their defense is absolutely abysmal. And that's what's not going to change, because their defense, they don't have any players. Yeah, and look, they, there's been a lot of supporters of Eli out there in the media. I think Kurt Warner had comments, and Sean O'Hara, and David Deal. These are all guys who, you know, they know Eli, and they're like, Eli's not playing bad. This isn't Eli's fault. It's not about Eli's play, necessarily. It's more about the business as a whole, and what we're doing here. If you're just kicking kicking dirt and it's another year wasted. You can't go on and sell that to the fans. You can't go on and try to sell that to the Fox, Fox broadcast teams and then try to get the number one crews to do the game. It's time. And let's see, if Daniel Jones is as polished as they say he is and ahead of the curve as you say he is, it's not about Eli necessarily. It's about the team as a whole. And yeah, maybe it wasn't his fault, but let's go see what the other kids can do. You might as well. It doesn't hurt Listen, Eli shouldn't even have been back on a team. I mean, it made no sense, uh, which was my point all spring, is that if you're going to draft a guy six, you play him. That's all there is to it. I mean, that's the way this league works now, uh, especially when you're a bad team, and they're a bad team. They, I mean, that's the bottom line. They're a bad 
football team because they can't stop anybody. They've allowed nine drives of over 70 yards already in two games. I mean, that's horrific. And their secondary, I mean, if Jameis Winston doesn't pass for, you know, 400 yards this week, I'll be shocked. I mean, because he, uh, Arians is going to attack them, and, and they haven't even come close to stopping anybody in the passing game. Yeah, and you know, it's, it's interesting because we're going to see Daniel Jones, and if he goes on to have a great NFL career, we'll never think about it again. But last night, that Josh Allen, number 41 for the Jaguars, who was a Jersey kid who was taking one pick after Daniel Jones, he was flying all over the field. And I know those Jaguars coaches really well. They're saying this kid might be one of the great pass rushers that the NFL is going to see in the next 10 years. So this was the talent they passed up. They went with the quarterback. Is it the right quarterback? We shall learn. But if Eli was playing all right, maybe they got a pass rusher instead and then another defensive player like they did at 17. I'm already looking in the hindsight, uh, you know, 2020 mirror here, but Josh Allen is a can't-miss prospect. Yeah, yeah, two sacks last night. Yeah, 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 two I tell you that Minshew that, that Minshew played well. I mean that yeah, guy, yeah. you know, really. I mean, to a guy who they didn't even know was going to make the team this year, he really has. He he's played very well. I mean, that's shocking to see a guy step in and play like that. How about that week they had? I mean, you talk about all these teams that don't show up on Sundays, and you're like, wait, what? They had their best players say, "I want to be traded." They dealt with that behind closed doors, and then they have Minshew, a sixth round pick, playing in a second game in five days, and they go out and they beat the Titans. I don't know if I'm more embarrassed for the Titans or impressed by the Jaguars, but that's a credit to Doug Marone and John Filippo, who spent some time here in New York and then obviously has jumped around the league a bunch. But he got Minshew ready to go, and everyone in the league who met with Minshew pre-draft, and especially the Senior Bowl, came away saying, I don't know if this kid can play football, but he's a hell of a kid. I want to play for him, and that's exactly what they're doing. All right, Rams win last week. Uh, good win for them. Uh, they've kind of, I don't want to say they've flown under the radar, but I think this year they weren't the fashionable, the fashionable, uh, fashionable repeat pick. Uh, people were down on them after the Super Bowl, uh, wondering about the quarterback. They come off a big win. Now they get the Browns on the road in, in uh, prime time. Uh, they're the better team. Uh, where are the Brown- where are the Rams right now? The Rams are looking at the rest of the league in the way that we talk about the rest of the league and just kind of smirking from the background because, you know, Ben Roethlisberger had a non-contact injury last week and it was really unfortunate. Drew Brees didn't. Drew Brees got hurt because Aaron Donald blew up the offensive line and hurt him. And that's how they look at what that situation was. And it wasn't because of a missed call by the refs in the second quarter when it was three to three. It was because they just went up and down the field on the Saints for basically the fifth and sixth uh, straight quarters against that team. So they're quietly confident. But I'll tell you this. This is an interesting stat, and I don't usually care about stats, but last year the Rams had two really bad games in the regular season. They were both on Sunday night. They lost to the Eagles, and then they lost to the Bears in Chicago. And then they went in the Super Bowl on a Sunday night, and they just absolutely were horrendous. So this is kind of the only Achilles heel in McVay's resume, the Sunday night game, for whatever reason. I'm not sure if it's a Michaels and, and Collinsworth thing or if it's just that they don't have the schedule right going from the West Coast to the East Coast. But Cleveland's going to be in a frenzy, and I'm very curious to see if they've changed that Sunday night problem that they had last interesting. year. Interesting. That's an interesting point. All right, the other one is the Niners. I like Garoppolo a lot. Niners are definitely better. They're in a very tough division. Uh, where are you on the Niners? you think they're still a year away, or you think they could be dangerous this year? Really tough division, really tough conference. I think the NFC is loaded. 
we'll see how it plays out. I've always been very high on Kyle Shanahan and Garoppolo, and I spent a lot of time with them this offseason. Their big thing was that their defense is going to be what carries them early on, and it has. It's really good. Like, they got, they got five first-rounders on their defensive line alone. Some of them have been misses, like Solomon Thomas and Eric Armstead, but some of them are really good. And Mr. Forrest Buckner and Dee Ford, they're in the backfield on every play. Not to mention Bosa is going to get healthier, and he'll be pretty nasty when he's 100%. So they're going to be a solid, well-coached team. They're going to be in every game. And if they get the benefit of playing Mason Rudolph instead of Ben Roethlisberger, which they have this weekend, they can win games. If you just stack Ws in this league, you'll find yourself in the playoff chase. I would be surprised if they're, they're not 3-0 come Monday. And uh, you know who else can be 3-0 with the Packers uh, against the Broncos, who were bad? The Packers uh, held on against the Vikes last week, and I think the Vikes are fine. But I think uh, the Packers, he might not love the offense, Rodgers, but they're 2-0 already. They're going to be 3-0, and that, that's a nice start for them in a year where people wondered what the Green Bay was going to be this year. Yeah, and if it started 0-3 or 1-2, you better believe people would be coming for that coach. Instead... It's almost as if they haven't even gotten the offense going and they've got the benefit of being 2-0. So they'll beat the Broncos. They'll take care of business. I can't tell you about how many points because the offense hasn't been able to light it up. And I don't think it's going to happen overnight. But the more experience they get together, the more rhythm they get together, player and coach, I only see good things happening for the Packers. But, yeah, very, very impressive on defense. And Mike Pettin was a defensive coordinator in this town and then was obviously a coach in Cleveland and had experience. But, LaFleur chose to keep Pettin when everyone else kind of got blown out of the building. He said, I'm keeping Mike Pettin. I think he's a good defensive coordinator. They might have the best defense in all of football. You know, um, it's interesting. The Dolphins, I've heard nothing but good things about their new head coach. Uh, I, I've heard good things from the, new, from the guys who were up in New England. I've heard good things from people who know him. Uh, he has been dealt an incredible hand here uh, and had to live with this. They are going to be dreadful all year. They're trading away their best players, which they've already done. I mean, uh, they, they made sure they dealt three of their top guys out of here already. Uh, they're going to start Rosen this week. They, they haven't been even slightly competitive. Dallas is probably going to put a 40 on them this week. Um, they might or might not win a game. Maybe they will. Or maybe they're not. They talk about uh, you know the openly talking of tanking for Tua, who will be the first pick. But uh, no question he will be the first pick. Um, uh, what is going on with this coach, and has he is he all in on doing the way they've done this this year, or has this been done to him? I don't know if you know Flores' story. He's a cool guy. I don't parents, know him. Uh, no, I don't know him at yeah. all. Parents are immigrants of Honduras, but he's from Brownsville. He's from here. He's from Brooklyn. Like he's a total New York guy. He goes and learns from the Belichick tree and kind of absorbs all of that. Really blew the Cardinals away with an interview the year they hired Steve Wilkes. Eventually, he gets the opportunity with the Dolphins, and he brings a bunch of Patriots assistants with him. So that alone, to me, tells me something that people are willing to leave Belichick and go down to a division rival and join him. I think three assistants came with him. Everyone in the league respects the hell of this guy. He's a tough coach, but he is a likable coach. And from what I'm told, he hasn't lost the locker room. I don't think you have to worry about the players necessarily not having faith in him. I think you have to worry about the fans. Just being completely well, how about that story that Florio field. had the first week that guys were calling their agent asking to get out after the first game like crazy? Yeah, I, I know that Minka Fitzpatrick was one of those guys, and he is gone. I wonder what about the direction of the team and these fans who have to pay for six more home games. They won't go. And, they won't go. In Miami, they won't and, go. They, they won't go to the games. 
There's way too many options in Miami on a Sunday. Right, they won't go. Yeah. It's not like they're trading off a 36-year-old veteran with a bloated salary. Minka Fitzpatrick is in the second year. And he's a top a player. Contract. He's a top player. And Mike, when I did the pre-draft stuff last year, Nick Saban would go out of his way to say what a great kid and what a great teacher on the field he was. It seems like he's the ideal player. Gates had him last year. Gates raved about him. Like There seemed to be no dings on their kid. It almost felt like Khalil Mack being traded, except... This one doesn't have a new contract that makes him the highest paid player in the NFL. This kid's making a pittance compared to other safeties in the league. So that, to me, is a big red flag. It's not when you're trading off veteran pieces and trying to get drastic. It's when you're trading off second-year players. Well, they, what I've heard is the owner wants the quarterback, that he has made it very clear, I don't want to fool around with any quarterbacks anymore. I want a guy. You, is that guy a star quarterback? They said, yes, I want that quarterback. I want that quarterback. They've made it pretty clear that they want that quarterback. That's it. Yeah, well, I don't think he would ever say it on the record, and I haven't heard it from him, but I would think that would be what all of these moves are an inclination towards, and I don't think you're that far off. I've never I mean, they've been outscored 102-10 to 10 in two games. Mike, if they give up, if they lose by more than 14 it is the greatest deficit of points through three games in the history of the NFL. The history yeah. of the NFL. The, the 61 Raiders, you're more of a historian than I am. I don't know that team, but it was like Tom Flores and a couple of Before the Raiders became the Raiders, that's the worst team ever through three games. They're knocking on the door, and it's not by a lot. It's unbelievable. And, and listen, I think Dallas will put a 40 on them this week. I don't know. Maybe they'll score easily. seven or ten points, but I, it'll easily happen. I agree. And, and you know, they're going to lose all the way through. They might win one game. Who knows? And they and they'll they, they not only they have so many picks. They'll not only get two. They'll get Judy also. I mean, they'll get, both of, get both of them. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, and that's what I that's what I understand the owner wants. He said, "I want the franchise quarterback. That's it. We know there's two the next two years that they they want the franchise quarterback. So I mean, they've made." that pretty clear. They're not fooling around with anything else. So they traded off all these guys to stockpile these picks. It's a tough way for a coach to start, though. It really is. Oh, it really puts you behind the eight ball. But the the bright side is if you can get through this and you don't lose the rest of the guys in that locker room, then you're... Hey, Jimmy Johnson, just remember, Jimmy Johnson lost... He lost this badly his first year. Remember, Buddy Ryan embarrassed him on national TV. He lost... He won one game his first year. It was a Sunday night game with Steve Walsh, a quarterback against Washington. It's the only game he won the whole year. Everyone said he was a college coach. He couldn't win in the pros. Three years later, he's got the Super Bowl trophy. Spot on. That was my that was my comparison, and it was almost very similar when you look at the Herschel Walker trade and just accumulating yep. picks. Yep. And being being smart with it. I don't know if that works in a post free agency era. I don't know if they can just rely on savvy personnel moves because, quite frankly, Mike Canada's not there anymore. I don't know if Chris Greer, the general manager, has the resume that I would say as a fan. Yep, I'm willing to sacrifice eight Sundays and sixteen Sundays overall to say Chris Greer is going to build the next NFL great dynasty. I'm not sure. He doesn't have that resume yet, but we shall see. Talking with Peter Schrager. All right, what's your upset this week? Upset. You know what? I, I, I kind of like, I already indicated it earlier, but I kind of like the Saints over the Seahawks. And okay. I know that That's a Seattle's good really hard. I just feel like they've been there all week, the Saints. They went from L.A. to Seattle, and you know that's been 24 hours for five days of Sean Payton telling them that the world is rooting against them, that everyone's counting them out. Sean Payton's a master motivator. I don't know how it gets done. It's a tough place to play. 
But I could see us, you know, for four o'clock game, we go into 60 minutes or whatever, and Manson and Romo are wrapping up, and it's 27-24, and Taysom Hill ran in some 40-yard touchdown for the win. All right, and Ram, and you know the Rams about as well as anybody. You think the Rams the Rams are a better team than the Browns, and the Browns did not look good. And I, th- I didn't think Mayfield looked good at all against the Jets. He was confused. He was under pressure. Do you think that – but the Jets had no offense, but do you think the Rams go in and win that game? Yes. Look, I don't know what the Browns are yet. The Jets were horrendous last week. Almost no fault to the guys on the field. It's just they didn't have the talent. And then week one, I don't know, you watched Thursday night last night, and I watched week two in the Colts beat them. The Titans are horrendous, and they blew out the Browns. So I can't, I can't say the Browns are going to beat the Rams in any game. I don't care where it is until I actually see it with my own two eyes. All right. Thanks very much. You're the best, Mike. Talk Thank to you. you soon. All right. Peter Schrager, back after this.